All right, let me take a moment here to introduce our guest and welcome him in. Dan McNichol is a number one best-selling author and award-winning journalist. His published books, articles, and thought leadership work focus on mega construction projects in the United States and around the world, which is, of course, why as a civil engineer, I'm, I'm really excited to get to chat with him. Dan recently created and completed a year-long national media tour in the 1949 Hudson that advocated for the rebuilding of the nation's vital civic systems with the tagline, America's infrastructure is as old, rusty, and energy defunct as this original Detroit lead sled. Dan's 33-state, 12,000-mile circumnavigation of the United States culminated in a successful statewide ballot initiative that now provides nearly $2 billion of new funding for Texas's transportation projects as part of the Lone Star State's annual budget. Texan voters approved the measure by over 80%. Dan's also won a host of awards in addition to the American Society of Civil Engineers naming him one of the nation's most outstanding journalists in 2014 as well as in 2003. And we've seen Dan's writings in all of the major publications, including New York Times, USA Today, Engineering News Record, and more. Dan was also a former White House appointee. He served the President of the United States on transportation and infrastructure policies. And immediately following that service to the White House, Dan was a chief spokesperson for one of the nation's largest civil projects, which we all know, the Big Dig. And lastly, I want to mention that this spring, National Geographic Channel is scheduled to feature Dan's year-long exploration of the nation's infrastructure in a special film titled Driving America. And with that, Dan, how are you doing today? Anthony, I'm doing great, and thank you for having me on your show. Oh, absolutely. We're absolutely thrilled to have you. Um, you know, I, as a civil engineer, just kind of following along with some of the stuff you've done, some of the stuff on your website... It's, it's just exciting and interesting, and I'm excited to kind of dive into it with you here, and I guess that that's pretty much the best place to start. I mean, driving across the country in a 1949 Hudson, maybe you can talk about how that all came about. That, that's probably a good question, or a good, good place to start. Why, why the hell would someone do this? Why would someone take a 1949 Hudson that doesn't look like it could get down the end of the driveway uh, and circumnavigate America with it. And you know, I, I was trying to take this very complex crisis, because it is a crisis, of Americans uh, not understanding their built environment enough, not understanding their infrastructural systems enough to invest in them properly. And I, as a voter, take more responsibility now having done this trip I see it not as uh, Washington's problem that's not been solved, but our own problem that we're not addressing well enough to bring it to the forefront of what is going on in Washington. It's, it's interesting, Anthony, because it started off to me as a very federal and very global problem inside the United States. And as I drove across America in this old car, and the car was a metaphor to say America's infrastructure is as old and rusty as my 1949 lead sled, it, it just made me realize that uh, so much of our responsibility as a, as a citizen, as a concerned, in your case, civil engineer, is, is around political action. And we're not doing enough in this community, and I consider myself part of the engineering construction community, we're not doing nearly enough to push that message forward. And this was my attempt 
wanted to take responsibility. This was my attempt to contribute to the voice that needs to get louder, more resolute, and, and more, more uh, I would say, urgent around this matter of failing infrastructure. Yeah, that's great. And, and Dan is trying to get the word out in so many ways. As I, I talked a little bit about in his bio, you heard some of the things that are going on. This interview is, is serving to be a preview for uh, Dan's keynote speech that he's going to do at the Society of American Military Engineers JETSI conference coming up in May in Phoenix, where he's going to talk again about the tour and the infrastructure, um, again, really getting out there. And it, it, it's true. What Dan's saying is that, you know, if you see something that you know that's a major problem and you want to stand out for it, you got to do something about it. And I, I think in a world that we live in today, Dan, and I, as a journalist, I'm sure you know this. I mean, there's just so much information out there. If you want to, if you want to stand up for something, you got to do it in a way that people are gonna gonna see you, right? And gonna be like, "Whoa, what's this guy doing in 1949?" Hudson. <laughs> exactly. And and you know what I was really struck by was everyone got it. Whether it was a woman pushing a baby stroller, whether it was a gentleman at the gas station who was an engineer himself and wanted, and approached us as we were driving across the America across the country. You know, it just made me realize that everyone gets the problem. Everyone knows that there's a problem, and it's the solution. And I think you're, you're hitting on a really important point, Anthony, when you say do something. You know, take ownership. Give a damn. Make, make, make action, uh, waves. Br bring it up in dinner table conversations. Bring it up in town meetings. Bring it up in conversations you start with elected officials. Yeah, no, definitely. And I know for sure it's working because, you know, it's not the first time that I heard of Dan through the SME conference. I've heard about a lot of people saying, like, you know, who's that guy driving across the country in that old <laughs> car? <laughs> but, but again, that's the point. I mean, that's the point, bringing attention to something that needs attention, um, which, is, which is great. And, and, you know, on Dan's website, danmcnichol.com, he's got a lot of interesting articles and photos from his trip. And, Dan, I would imagine from a trip like this, and I, I know for a fact because I read some of the articles about some of the people that you met, I mean, it must have been a really interesting trip, and, you know, just reading some of the people that you met on some of these sites or bridges or construction sites and what they're going through, what they do, it must have been pretty pretty cool. It, it was. There, there were two big trips. Uh, one was called Dire States, as in our country's infrastructure is in dire state, but dire states meaning ST. ATES that it begins with the states. The, the, you know, this is the, going back to that issue of the grassroots movement. This infrastructural issue is local. All, all infrastructure is local. There was a famous politician, Tip O'Neill, most powerful speaker of the House, an ally, and sometimes a foe of Ronald Reagan. They worked well with and against each other in political theater. But he said, you know, all politics is local. And I think all infrastructure is local. And when I was driving around the country, it made me realize that you know, not only does everyone get it, but everyone owns it. And there's a certain amount of pride with all this infrastructure. We came across a small dam. I mean, a nothing dam in the scale of, of mega dams. But this one small dam in Black River Falls, Wisconsin, was the epicenter of the town. It provided water for recreation, which was a big part of the tourism industry. It provided water. It provided power. People dropped out their utility bills at the dam's office. And you start to realize we've gotten kind of removed from our infrastructure because we've gotten so used to it being there. 
And this dam, being built in 1911, needed to be rebuilt, and the whole town raised the money, $13 million, to rebuild the structure. And it was beautiful. It made me realize how low and close we are to our, our systems, but how re removed we've become over the years because we've had we've been so blessed with so many riches, so many, so many systems. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually, because I think that people do kind of sit back today and think like, oh, you know, the road, the roadways are awful. It's up to the, you know, the, the federal government to take care of it. It's up to the, to, you know, get them to get funding. And, but you're right, it's local. I mean, it's local. It's a local issue. And, you know, we have to remember that these are our roads. These are our dams, our bridges. Um, and, if you want to do something about it, do something about it. I mean, like Dan just said, this, this, the citizens of this community raised the money on their own. They didn't sit back and say, well, let's wait for funding to come from who knows where. Um, and I think that that's really important. To be, and, you know, for this infrastructure problem and for all the other problems that we're going to face and that we are facing now, it, it's a really important thing for you, even you as an engineer, to get out there and say, how can I go beyond just sitting and waiting or just doing my engineering work in my company? How can I get out there and maybe get a movement going? And, and I think that's the cool thing about being an engineer. And, and for me as a civil engineer, oftentimes on projects, I mean, we got to really communicate with the citizens. That's the coolest thing I think about being an engineer in the civil engineering world for me was, you know, we're reconstructing a roadway in a town. We could talk to all the business owners and say, you know, how can we improve this? This is your town. These are your businesses. What would be helpful for you? And Dan, I'm sure you, you know, beyond just this trip, you did a lot of work on the big dig. I mean, you, you've probably seen that sign of it too, like connecting with people that live around these projects, right? That was my, my foray into this whole infrastructural discussion was the big dig. At first, I was working at the White House and I heard about this project and I got a helicopter tour of the project that was going to be. And I could tell, flying around in the helicopter with my boss, looking out, over this city of Boston that was going to be torn asunder by this great project. I thought, this is exciting. I want to get in on this. And as the project opened up and as it began to go full throttle, it was so disruptive. But all I could see was excitement and maybe to a fault. But I mean, I was on the engineering side of it. I couldn't believe that all this was actually happening, that a big project was being moved forward. And the locals loved it. I mean, they loved to hate it sometimes, but they loved it. They loved that it was going on in their city, and I think I think it was that that was the beginning for me of understanding the marvels of engineering. And I think it was a lesson for a lot of people in Boston too. That damn engineering is exciting. I mean, this is a good thing. For so many years, Anthony, people thought engineers destroy cities by building highways through them. And this kind of brought back all the magic, in my mind anyway, of the civil endeavors that leave people spellbound. And that's fun. That's exciting. And you don't always have a big project like the Big Dig to fall back on, but even the simplest projects can be really exciting. And, and that's when those sidewalk superintendents stop and they start looking through the fence. And I think that's the opportunity for small and large companies to engage the public in what they're doing because the public really wants to know because they're, they're really curious and they're usually impressed. Yep, yep, absolutely. And, and, and I guess now, like, kind of looking forward a bit, Dan, you know, you went on this trip and you've got a lot of information now. And some of it's already, you could see it out there on your website and other places, but I'm sure that there's still a lot of it that you kind of have kind of, 
you know, that you're ready to, to do something with it and get out there. And, you know, obviously there's different things that are going to happen. Like you're doing keynoting, like, for example, the SAME talk coming up. You've got the, 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 the TV film that's going to be coming up on the National Geographic Channel. So how do you take this information now, Dan, and utilize it to continue to get the word out? Like talk, for example, about the keynote you're going to do. Like, will that have technical information, photos? Like, what, what is that? How are you going to take this information and spread it? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. And first of all, it's, it's an honor to be on stage in front of such an important group, the Society of American Military Engineers. I'm a big fan of Eisenhower. And through Eisenhower's story, you learn just how critical civil infrastructure is to national security. And we're seeing a lot more of that now that we're concerned about terrorism and acts against us. But, you know, specifically around this keynote, and, and thank you for asking, it's, it's going to be a message similar to the discussion we're having, which is it's upon us inside of this echo chamber called engineering and construction to get the message out. It begins with us. We're the most responsible party to get this this message out about how our systems are failing and how they need to be rebuilt. We need to compete with a world that we don't even know about or understand outside of our country's borders and and be better than we already are, better than they are already. And then sometimes, in a lot of cases, these countries are far more advanced than us in certain areas, say maybe port technology or mass transit. And that matters because that's becoming the probably the most important factor in a business's location when they decide where they're going to move, where they're going to do business, and it's no longer difficult to, to do business abroad. So these systems matter to large companies that we want to keep here in the United States. If we don't make it easier for these companies to do business, if we don't make the systems more efficient, if our supply chain becomes rusty and broken, these companies will go elsewhere, and we will lose our economic edge. If we lose our economic edge, it's, it's the, the beginning of a decline that is not attractive. And I think that's the message I want to put out there is, engineers, we need to stand up and, and be very active. We don't need to just start getting involved. We need to, to double down on our efforts, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that that's a, that's a great point, too, that I think as engineers, we need to remember that. I mean, everyone, I, mean, I think all engineers understand that there's, we do great work in solving a lot of problems that are big critical problems. But I think sometimes what we fail to see, like Dan just kind of painted the picture for us, is that everything is so interconnected. And there's one thing about a, a road that's in rough shape, but then you think about the big picture of how that affects things and if it slows down transportation of products and shipping and imports. And then if companies have problems and then they can't be here and then that affects us economically. So I think that as an engineer, th you know, thinking about what Dan just said is very important because you have a very big impact on a lot of things, not, not necessarily just the roadway as far as like the physical aspects of the roadway, but everything that goes along with what gets transported on that roadway. And again, that's just engineers in transportation, right? Then there's engineers that work on airports and buildings and gears and everything else. So I think that that's something when you talk about having a purpose in what you do, you've got to understand that as engineers, we've got, you know, there's a lot kind of riding on everything that we do, which is, to me, is exciting. I mean, obviously, there's different pressure points around it, but, um, but I certainly think it's exciting. So, 
Dan, one thing I wanted to kind of talk to you about too a little bit is, <clears throat> you know, I do a lot of work with engineers. I mean, we work with them through the Engineering Career Coach on their career, their personal development, their professional development. And one of the things that, that kind of I've seen is if you want to be successful, and again, the word successful is always up for interpretation, but to me, in some way, it means being able to have like an impact um, in whatever way you choose to have it. It seems that like when you're able to develop an expertise around something um, and a reputation, a following, you know, then you can have more of an impact. I mean, listen, everybody can have some sort of impact, but as you grow an expertise around something, you have more of an ability, at least from what I've seen. And in your case, you've really become like a go-to expert on America's infrastructure. And I wondered if just for like the listeners and the engineers out there, you know, if you could talk to them a little bit about that process. I mean, obviously you didn't start as an expert, so you went through a process to get there. And, you know, I'm not asking you to recount your entire career, but maybe just some of the some some thoughts you can offer about that. Well, th thank you. for uh, It's very complimentary what you're saying. But honestly, uh, I think my fault in what I do is sometimes not taking enough stock in the potential impact I could have as an individual. And I think that's true of most engineers. I think we're pretty humble about our greatest works. There's arrogance, no question, and part of the makeup of a stereotypical engineer. But I don't think we put out publicly enough the importance of what we do. When I, when I got started on my, my trajectory of where I am today, I would pinpoint mostly back towards the big dig, stepping out of politics, stepping into a specific project, and then wanting, and this is just how I'm built, we're all built differently, but I, I wanted to get out there and share this great story of what was going on. And I put the blinders on to all the negative criticism that was being pumped up by the Boston Globe, the Boston Herald, the TV stations, because the Big Dig got a lot of negative press because it was disruptive, it was expensive. And I just stuck to the engineering and the construction. And that's what I think mattered in the end. It's like looking at the space program. If you said, well, you spent all these billions and was it worth it? No, I think most Americans early on especially looked at the space program as this is greatness. We are pushing science forward by, by decades. And that's what we did on the Big Dig. We, we literally took civil engineering and advanced it. And there's always opportunities to do that. And almost every opportunity that that is offered up to an engineer should be taken to push this out publicly. I think we sometimes sit on our on our successes and we don't expound upon them. We don't think that maybe people are interested, but they are. And that to me is our biggest opportunity. It was mine in my career, which was I'd like to be in the forefront. I'd like to be speaking about this. I spoke about it a lot. I learned how to speak about it. I was scared to death. My first talk was in front of an engineering group. I thought, my God, they're going to tear me apart because they know engineering and I don't. But really, they, they wanted to know. They wanted to learn. No one can know everything. And they might have been structural engineers but not really familiar with geotechnical engineering or, or civil engineering in this case. And, and just lastly, I'd say, you know, you never know how it's going to all come together. My, my career looking back makes sense, but going through it, it did not. But I, I, I did trust, and I hate to say it, but I did trust my gut. And, you know, it's like, what really drove me? What is my DNA demanding from me? And for me, it was 
getting out there, being part of this public project, being a face of the public project, and then getting others excited. And that looked like national TV. That looked like Discovery Channel. That looked like the History Channel. That looked like German public television, you know, the New York Times. And not being afraid because you should be afraid. And if you look down, you'll probably fall. But when you believe and you move forward and you move through your excitement and your emotions, as long as they're grounded, I, I think you're going to be okay. Wow, that's great. Great. And, and uh, I guess before we kind of wrap things up here, Dan, is there anything you can offer about the, uh, about the TV, the documentary, the fi film that's coming out on National Geographic? Well, it's, you know, it's a perfect example, Anthony, that, that, you know, National Geographic came to me and said, we're thinking about doing this, and we heard about your road trip. Really, the, the show is about cars, but I thought, well, here's an opportunity for me to give them what they're looking for, some information, some excitement about cars. And I, I jumped into this documentary. I helped them produce it and help them with parts that I wasn't appearing in, but in return, they put some light on this trip I did and scratched the surface of the the mission behind the trip. And that's what I'm excited about. That was the give and the take. Uh, I was able to offer them some something exciting, a visual, a story, and then they backed up and helped me with my advocacy around rebuilding America's infrastructure. Yeah, that's perfect. And again, that just goes to... I think what Dan and I spoke about already is that if you have something that you feel passionate about, <clears throat> something that you want to, you know, some kind of work that you're passionate about doing and you just do it, I, I see this all the time, that opportunities come to you to help you with that work. And this is exactly what Dan just explained. He did this trip. He took a, a, you know, a 1949 Hudson across the country, which some people would probably think is a crazy thing to do. He did it for a reason, and now other people want to help him share that reason, get that out there, um, and it's happening. And it doesn't happen unless you do it, basically. So that's kind of like the point I'm trying to make. I mean, I experienced something very similar um, when I started doing kind of coaching and training for engineers. I, I, I wasn't a writer. I was an engineer. Those are two completely different things. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I ended up writing a book for engineers on my own. I self-published it. I put a bunch of them in the car and drove to like 30 states. And you know, wouldn't you know it, a, a publishing company contacted me and said, you know, we, we heard about your book and we want to publish it. But for, for me, my mission was to get the word out to as many engineers as I could. And that and because I just started doing it, more avenues came about to get the word out. So I guess that, that's that's so important, Anthony. You're, I think the fact when, when you take an initiative, whatever it looks like, whether it's publishing your own book and putting them in your trunk, you kind of have to have faith at some point that this is going to work out or at least have a bare minimum expectation of, well, at least I'm going to try and we'll see where it goes. So many of my greatest ex experiments in media or my journeys in life have been around, I'm going to go, and then other people start to follow. But it's not like it's a comfortable moment. You've got to get out there. You've got to move forward. And it might be just you saying, you know, this is a problem I see in my town, and I'm an engineer and I'm going to speak up for it. And yeah, maybe it's not popular to challenge City Hall or push them to, along to, to make a better, uh, to make a change for the better. But I'm going to do it anyway because I, I believe what I'm doing is right. And I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going forward with good intentions. I think remarkable things start to happen and people start to, to take note. And I, I really admire what you're doing, especially around, and I would push back on you a little bit, Anthony. I think engineering is writing. 
and we don't make that connection enough. If you can't communicate what you're doing, you probably won't succeed. So it's simple. And maybe communication looks a lot different in the next 10 years even, where it's more visual, more audiovisual, more whatever it might be, digital. But it's going to be important at whatever level to explain what you're doing or explain what you believe needs to be done. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point and a good way for us to kind of wrap this up. We are definitely looking forward to seeing not just the TV show, which I'm thrilled about, but also the opportunity to, uh, I'm going to get to meet Dan out in the SAME conference, which is going to be in Phoenix, May 24th to May 26th, where he's going to be doing his keynote, his keynote speech about his tour through America's infrastructure. Uh, Dan, thanks for taking the time today, and I'm really looking forward to, to seeing everything that you're going to kind of bring to light through this process. Well, Anthony, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person in Phoenix. Uh, my car is going to be shipped out there, courtesy of Society of American Military Engineers. Nice. So I'll take you for a ride around Phoenix without oh, ignition. I love that. And you'll see just how, how crazy this trip really was. Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Okay, Anthony.